We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 147. Our guest today not only helps riders train and get stronger outside of the saddle and work on their fitness, but she also helps horses while really looking at the whole body of the horse and helping them with their nutrition and their performance. She's an expert in supplements. She's an expert in fitness. And today I have her on to talk about how she got to where she is today and how she studies this amazing combination of really looking at both horse and rider so that they perform at their peak. Please welcome the owner of Athlete EQ, Nina Hammerstrom. Well, I would love to hear about how you first got into the equestrian world. Wow, that was a long time ago. I kind of um, eased into it by starting at a riding school, local in Stockholm. My family is not an equestrian family at all. I started as a five-year-old at the local school there, and my interest in animals has always quite particularly you know I've been always with our cats and whatever animals we had we traveled a lot when I was a kid so we couldn't have dogs and whatever and definitely not horses but I started off there and I got my first horse when I was 15 Uh, and by then my mother was also a little bit involved hobby rider. Amazing so as you were kind of riding and and getting more into it at what point were you like oh my gosh, I love this and I want this to be a part of, like a big part of the rest of my life. I kind of had that feeling all along, I think. I was always very passionate. I was always very dedicated. It was a wish of mine to to have a horse from very early age. And I had this thing with... <laughs> which I'm quite ashamed about actually, but I called this helpline for kids once because I I couldn't have a horse. And my mom was so furious and she was like, you are the most spoiled kid. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, was, I was kind of extremely passionate about horses from a very early age. But when I was, uh, it was actually my dad's decision to go in and, and actually buy a horse for us, for my mom and I. And that same year she passed away actually in an accident. And so I, from 15, I had the horse and then I kind of developed from there, but I met, I was lucky early on to, to meet a lot of really good people and, and surround myself with knowledgeable and interesting horse people that helped me early to get the right horses. And also to, I sold already as a 17 year old, I, I sold and traded horses. So I kind of, I love the, the sport, show jumping in particular, but I love the sport from a very early age. And I feel like at that point, when you were 15, you were probably, you know, before you had this, you know, hobby, this passion with your mom, and then carrying on yourself, it probably forced you to learn a lot on your own and kind of start developing that skill set even more. 
Absolutely. And yeah, I, I was on my own and I needed to step up and do this myself as I wanted to, to go to shows. I made sure I had somebody to drive me. I, as soon as I had my driver's license, I started traveling and I started training with Rolf Joran Bengtsson and Bo Christofferson in, in Germany at quite an early age. So I drove up up and down <laughs> to to Germany and, and kind of traveled with my horses quite early. And I had to do it myself. I was always at the shows myself, but I was also quite, I, I kind of involved people around me. I made sure I had a lot of friends that liked helping me out and, and whose parents also got, you know, involved in my riding and that sort of thing. So my dad could never travel with me. So I was kind of on my own. Got it. Um when you were, you know, a junior riding and, and then, you know, competing at more of, you know, doing it more, you know, doing the sport at, at more of a consistent level and showing more, what are some moments or highlights that kind of stick out in your head during your junior career of riding? Well, I actually never had a pony. So even as a young uh, girl, I, I had a, a horse and I had to compete against the, the more experienced riders. But it would probably be when I met a girl called Eleanor who then helped me. And she was, she was a rider in, in the international circuit. And she kind of, she sold me a horse, first of all, that I could get into the sport with. And I, the, the major shift into the sport was when I was based after high school, I went to Holland to ride with Han- Henrik Lanner who was in our Swedish team in Barcelona in the Olympics. And, and he really introduced me to the international sport. I would have been 18 by then, I would say, ish. Cool. Yeah, what were some shifts or things that you remember learning from when, you know, growing up and doing riding in Germany and then what you learned in Holland? It would be the complexity of the sport, all the different parts of the sport, how it's a sport of marginal gains, the understanding that everything counts from the shoeing of the horse and, and every skill is, is so unique and you need to see, but you also have to, to look at it from a 360 point of view. So, so the, the appreciation of, of the 360 approach to riding and also the you know, the marginal gains, how little, little things can make a huge difference, but also the foundation needs to be solid. I think you have had other people saying the same in interviews, but, but that would probably be the real, the real shift. It does, it's not really just up to you and the horse and you can't blame anyone. And that was an understanding. You have to take responsibility yourself and you are in charge of being able to have impact on those marginal gains. And that was something that I really learned in Holland. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about those marginal gains, because I feel like that is something you really work through on a daily basis with now your role in the industry. Tell me a little bit about how you started Athlete EQ and what what kind of like stemmed that passion to create a business that's a pretty unique being both about horse and rider and that you kind of specialize in both. So tell me a little bit about that process. 
Yeah, it's kind of grown uh, through the years, to be honest. I, when I did my master's degree in international business, I was based in Sydney, Australia, and I got really into personal training and gym, gym training. I, had, I, I took time out from the riding, pretty much. I didn't have any horses down there. So I got involved into building up myself as a, as a triathlete. I started surfing, boxing, I did tennis. I started with these different sports. And I came to the conclusion, it's all the same here, you know, exactly what I've been trying to do with my horses, it's the same with me. I need to build up uh, balance, coordination, mobility for all of these sports, it's the same thing, it's the same basics, but you have to train them differently, of course. Uh, it's technique, always technique as well in there, and definitely technique not to get injured. And that was something that I had been struggling with to understand with the horses because I found that a lot of people working in the team can sometimes be really, really particular about their thing and not look at the at the whole you know, picture. The, the farriers is one thing and the vets is one thing, <laughs> the nutritionist is another and I kind of thought to myself, this is all connected. You have to look at this and, and intertwine these different things. And that grew, that interest grew then quite strongly. And I started working when I came back, did my, I finished my master's degree. And at the same time, I did my, my education as a personal fitness coach at the Fitness Institute Australia. So I'm actually, the, my personal training degree is from Australia as well. And I, I went home, started to work in, in, a, in an IT company as a leader of projects, I guess, and then an account manager. And this guy called Cameron Beattie from Australia walks in and he wants to start selling horse feed, Australian horse feed in Europe. And he already had Michael Whitaker on board. He had John Whitaker on board, Marlon Bayard and, and different riders here in Europe. So I said, well, I should probably go work with you instead and help you launch this thing. So I did. And I got my foot into equine nutrition. So it kind of evolved from my business degree into sports interest and understanding that it all, it all connects and, and then into nutrition as well. So it's, a, it's not a straight road. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and definitely multifaceted. But it really does, when you think about it, it really does make sense that, I mean, we always say you should be looking at, you know, the whole situation. You should be looking at both horse and rider. They're the two parts that make up, you know, a good team. But then I think Sometimes we will focus on one thing or the, or the other, depending on where we're at in, you know, our riding situation or our training situation or, you know, who we're listening to. And like you were saying, each part of the puzzle of this horse and rider team, farriers, vets, nutritionists, rider, trainer, all have different opinions usually. And so finding a way to kind of take a few steps back and look at the whole program as a whole, I think is super beneficial. So when you are, let's say, working with a client for the very first time, walk me through kind of what you go through to do your initial analysis of what, what needs to be kind of looked at and adjusted. Well, right now it works that they are most interested in the training of the, of the equestrian athlete as in, in, in the rider. 
And I would like to develop into, you know, looking at training programs for horses maybe as well and that sort of thing. But but right now I'm focusing on the rider. And I approach that in looking at where where are the weaknesses at the moment. I can talk to a trainer uh, or, or ask the rider her or himself where the weaknesses are. I want to, to watch videos, obviously, of the riding. We sometimes have to work on if they have had reoccurring injuries on a horse, then we look at what are those injuries? Could this be done? Are they actually coming from, from the horse or is it caused by something saddle-wise? And and it can be anything. But but usually I, I work online, so I don't have the actual access to the stable. That might shift over time, I'm not sure, but right now that's how it works. So I don't get I don't want to change too much. I I always want to change as little as possible, but as much as is necessary, obviously. It's a it's an old saying and a lot of people use it, but but it is very true. You shouldn't you should focus on what are the weaknesses here and where should we start and then and, and one really, really key point is that you have to change over time. You can't stick to one program or one kind of exercise or you have to kind of uh, develop. As you develop, uh, and that takes four weeks usually for the body to adjust, and it's the same with the horses. So we have to keep that in mind as well. What can we feel? How can we, how can we adjust over time to to help both horse and rider but there are riders that want also the equine nutrition part of the consultancy and then then that is then then we look at the horse obviously only what is it fed when is it fed how is it fed and what is the problem with this horse is it muscular is it endurance is it that it ties up is there sickness or is there skin rash or it can be anything yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, obviously the program has to be extremely flexible because each case is different. So for the fitness side of your business, is there a common trend that you see in riders that something that riders struggle with or that they come to you for that you have noticed in your practice? Absolutely, there is. First of all, I'm, I'm really, I jumped on this, this train. I've been working with fitness on riders for a long time, but I started the Athlete EQ online uh, fitness business about a year ago. And, and I, I saw a shift in the professionals about two years ago because I've been working with, with the international riders for a long time and being on the circuit, on the shows. And I, I could see, and then when I spoke to them, that they were paying attention to their own health as well. They saw the marginal gain of training yourself as a rider, both to, to actually not pull up with injuries and sore backs and knees and whatever, but also to become a better rider. And I thought this is, this is a train I should jump on. This is going to kind of come down into, into the lower levels as well. And it has, obviously. It's now pop trainers for equestrian athletes everywhere. And I think it's a really good thing. The one thing that you always see if you talk to a trainer or the rider is such balance coordination and mobility they are always there they're always they always need work so those three things they they always need work they 
it's not all, only mobility as in getting more mobile, it's mobility to be specific, to be able to hold and release hmm. um, and to be in control of these things because it's so quick when you do it on the horse, you know, and if you are just a second after or before, you can suffer from a fault. It's not always. Sometimes the horse is forgiving. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but sometimes it does. And, and when you're in the top sport, it's definitely going to happen. You know, it, you need to be there all the time or you need to have trained with your horse to have that exact communication at the exact right, right time. And you don't have on the courses today with the material we have today and with the extremely reactive horses we have today, we can't afford to be behind or, uh, or, or before our horse, you know, and not in balance. There is no such margin. And that's, that's definitely those three always. Every rider needs it. And I, I see a lot of riders training, but it's not always effective and efficient. The time that you spend, and that's where I think my unique concept comes in, I try to identify both exactly what it is that is needed so that we work on the right things, but also what you emotionally actually like. <laughs> and that's the EQ in it, of course, for equestrian, but the EQ as well, it needs to kind of, you need to connect to it. You need to feel it. And if you don't feel it, you're not going to continue. It's like a diet. You don't, you don't go on a diet forever. It's, it's impossible. Nobody wants to do that. You need to see it as a lifestyle change and develop into the emotion of getting better and achieving what you want to achieve. And, and that's where I kind of, that's my, that's my thing. Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Double D Trailers. Founded in 1997, Double D Trailers has been changing the horse trailer industry one customer at a time through the use of safe materials, technologies, and innovation. The experts at Double D Trailers prioritize both horse and human safety through their patented features, such as their safe bump roof system, safe kick wall system, as well as the company's exclusive safe tack and safe tack reverse design. Customers rave about the functionality of Double D trailers and find that their problem loader horse now loads with ease thanks to the customizations available from Double D. Why settle for any old average trailer off the dealer lot when you can customize your dream trailer to fit both you and your horse's needs? Learn more at DoubleDTrailers.com. That's D-O-U-B-L-E-D Trailers.com. Or find them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Double D Horse Trailers. Thank you so much, Double D Horse Trailers. All right, let's get back to the episode. What are some um, examples of top riders you've worked with in the past or are currently working with and some changes, I guess, or reviews from your program or things that they have experienced since working with you? I work with every level. So I have, I have riding school, like here in Sweden, we have the concept of riding schools where you don't actually own a horse. You, you go ride. It's a pony club type thing, but for grown-ups as well. So I work with such riders and I work with hobby riders at, you know, very local level, 120, one, one meter, one meter 20 jumping or dressage at a very, 
And I work with the top writers like Emily Moffat or writers as such. Adrian Sternlicht has also a writer of mine. If we're talking about the US writers, I have a fair few here in, in Europe as well. But so, so it's basically you need to, to be able to work with every level. Otherwise, there is no point to it. And, and they all kind of, if we're looking at the lower levels or, you know, writing school people, they will all of a sudden be able to feel, you know, the momentum in the horse. If you don't own a horse and you ride some different horses every week, you're looking for a feeling that is very hard to find if you can't actually do it in your body, if you can't follow with your right hip. If you can't get your left shoulder back or whatever it could be, then you can't feel it. But if you, if you can, all of a sudden you can feel it. If you get your core strength up, if you get your mobility up, if you have better balance, all of a sudden you can experience those feelings when, you, when you're on the horse. When it comes to the top sport, of course, it's always they are already very good in the riding but they need a challenge when it comes to their durability to, to not have pains in different body parts. And, and that's where mostly I work there. I don't get too involved. I don't ask Emily Moffat to send me a video of her, of her riding. <laughs> I can Google. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, or look at her Instagram. But, but I, I, of course, we, we have a dialogue about it. And she says, well, it's actually like this and this with one horse and he's really pulling and I feel like I'm behind the movement and, and can, we, can we do something with that? And then I design a workout for her that, that can help her with those specific horses that, that might be a bit of a challenge for her. So definitely that, that's only one example. But, but yeah, we... we keep that in mind but also mostly we we look at with the top sport it can be like we i have dressage rider in in holland who who is a veterinarian as well and she works with with all of the major dressage horses in in throughout europe as a vet and as a rider and with her it's about holding her body together she's working 24 7 she's in the sport she's you know, she needs strength. And with her, we, we really have to see so that she is fit to play with her kids and grandkids when she's, when she's older, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's really up to the individual. But, but the basics are usually the same. Balance, coordination and, and mobility, they are always there. Core strength, obviously, but that kind of goes without saying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Tell me about an area of the industry that you are passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about. Well, it would have to be equine nutrition, I would say. Uh, That would be the, the area where I've put in so many years of work and research and I've been, it, it is an area that I've I have the feeling that it's so boring and so complex that most people can't be bothered paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. There are so many lies and also within the industry, of course, you have to, to respect the knowledge, of course, from the researchers developing horse feed and supplements. But 
there is a lot of things said and done that I don't really always agree with. And I guess in, in such an ind- industry with so tiny margins and it's crucial to have volume in your sales to make money off um, equine feeds and, and supplements, it's, there are a lot of things not really being accurate and, and less is usually more. When it comes to equine nutrition, you have to identify what is causing the problem and what can we exclude rather than add. But that's not how the industry works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it that's is really it's tough. Fun. It's it's something that we were. I was just talking about with someone over Instagram actually that it can be so, it can be so frustrating because a lot of us are just trying to find ways to have our horses you know feel good and perform well and we're giving all of these supplements and it's like i hope this is helping but you know it's it's hard because it's it's either there's not a lot of research and data or we don't take the time to find the research or the data and so it's just i feel like it's something in the industry that's just this kind of question mark as far as just some something that is just plain as day this works this doesn't and obviously again like horse by horse case by case situation but finding different supplements and programs that are going to be effective and worth the investment and worth the time to see the changes versus ones that are like "Eh." (laughs) maybe skip that one you're spot on and it is a jungle it is a jungle because there's so much much information out there saying this is how it is but it's actually not always accurate and it's really hard if you don't know the ins and outs of it which is quite complex then it's really hard to tell what is is fraud and what's true and our horses are the ones suffering from it mm-hmm. and maybe ourselves as well because we're pouring in money to our horses trying to do the right thing but we're actually giving them the dodge and the antidote and mm. and we are yeah it is it is a jungle and i i would say that that is where i put in so much time so much time and investment into this area of expertise. I've worked in Dubai, I've worked in, in Hong Kong, I've worked in Macau. With, with the, This is in racing because all the research and all the money put into is, is done on, on thoroughbreds and, mm. and horse racing. So I've, I've traveled a lot to stables with labs, their own labs, and we have done, you know, trials and trials on horses and, and it's been so interesting. So yeah, I would say that is probably if, I mean, I'm super passionate about every part, but I think if I would have to choose one and where I also, it's frustrating to see how many, you know, I, I, I read daily on new sites, World of Show Jumping or whatever, horses that have died from colic or that have ulcers or, you know, you can see on the horse and they're still performance horses. These are top performing horses. But the, the question is how much longer could we have them in sport and how much better could the result actually be if you did a change? And it's not all, the answer is not always a medicine. Sorry to say, it's, it's not always a medicine. The answer is usually, and, and this is a question I, I ask all my clients in equine nutrition, 
what are you giving today exactly? And usually that question is not so easy to answer. And, uh, and then I'm not just saying one scoop of this, one scoop of that. I'm saying in vitamins and minerals and so on. And people don't know. And then I ask the following question, what does your horse need every day? And that's totally not, you know, answerable. That's not mm-hmm. a word. <laughs> <laughs> but I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> that's my Swedish coming in. <laughs> <laughs> when you are working with your equine nutrition clients, how do you go about helping them answer those questions? I look at what they are giving the horse, both in, in if they are giving medicines or, you know, supplements or all everything the horse gets, even injections, if it's vitamins via injections or via the blood. Or and, and then I look at the brands. I look at how they are fed, when and how. It might be a strange question for us, but if you if you're looking at a stable in, in the Middle East, for instance, then you have to answer that question, you know. And, and then I look at what is the problem? What, what is it a muscular problem? Is it that it's not recovering? Is it that you have a fault in the Grand Prix the last day because there is too much lactic acid buildup? Or, or what is it, you know? What is the, what are we, is it bad hoof quality or is it rashes or is it, yeah, whatever. And then I look at, I have, of course, by now a, quite a solid toolkit with brands and uh, supplement. it can be supplements or it can be, usually I withdraw a lot. I say, take that out, take that out, take that out. We give it two months and see what happens. And then in case, and this is, this is also very, a key thing here. You have to give it time. Equine nutrition doesn't go overnight. It's like with us. We can't start eating one thing and then see a result the next day. We have to give it a little bit of time, especially if we're looking at hoof quality or something like that. Muscular problems goes a little bit quicker, usually. But if we have a starch buildup, if we have an, a sensitivity, is that what you call it? Yeah, sensitivity in the, in the intestinal system, if we have ulcers and that sort of thing, we have to give it time. It doesn't heal overnight. And people are usually quite impatient. You, yeah. want, you want something to happen tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. How can people, if people are interested in your services, whether that be riding for, for the rider's fitness or for equine nutrition, how can people get in touch with you? My website is the easiest or Instagram. Both are equally easy, I would say. DM me on Instagram is super easy and you're more than welcome to do that anytime. It's Nina underscore AthleteQ. And the website is athleteq.eu. And it's quite, yeah, it's a a form there you can fill in and you can tick the boxes of equine nutrition if that's what you're into or, or fitness. And I always, I always, always have a chat to whoever contacts, contacts me. I want to talk to the person. Not initially, like, <laughs> can also pick up the phone and call me, definitely. <laughs> but, but, but usually it's, it's good to fill in a form and then I contact via email and then we set up a time that suits the client. And that can be, that can, yeah, that can be done. Anytime from anywhere in the world. I have clients from everywhere. So 
Amazing. Well, Nina, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was exciting to chat with you and hear about what you do and all the things you do. So I appreciate it and I wish you all the best. Thank you and take care. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.